So here we are, and on to the eighth wonder of the podcast world. As you all wonder why on earth you are listening to this, and is that a touch of Welsh you can hear? We all do wonder, even Ed too, who wonders why so many fear the, the Illuminati when they only do what he tells them to. Ed three wonders what he will do the day when people realise Tangerine is actually orange. And Ed four wonders if accounting is too exciting for him and should find something else to study. Ed Seven is wondering if there will ever be any group to replace the Bay City Rollers in his arse, or if pop music will always just be noise to him in comparison, whereas Ed Eighteen wonders why everyone was so posh in deliverance, and longs for the day when he can afford his own banjo. Ed Twenty Five likes to wander down memory lane, as he never quite figured out the difference between wondering and wandering. On his wander down memory lane, he often likes to revisit the building of the original Seven Wonders of the World, as he was there building the foundations for the Hanging Gardens and supervising a work crew on the pyramids. He would also like me to point out that contrary to popular rumour, he still has his, all his own teeth. They're in a little box in the bedside cabinet. Ed33 wonders why no one has realised that the Statue of Liberty was designed to act as a homing beacon for aliens. And then there is Ed47, who wonders what exactly Granite Xhaka has in the way of compromising photos that gets him in the Arsenal team. And last, and by every means least, there is Ed Treble Six, who thinks the seven wonders of the world is just a ride at Disneyland. The first question for today comes from Sky Saller off the Liverpool site, who says, Hey Ed, keep these podcasts coming thick and fast. Love listening to them whenever they go up. Just a question about the land down under. Have you ever visited here in Australia? And if you have, what did you think of it? On the topic of Australia, do you know much about the national football team? Is there any players past or present that you think were good players? Cheers, mate. I've never actually visited Australia, but as half of your population is not there, there is no need to go there. You can visit any bar in the world and be regaled by an Aussie as they always have Australian bar staff. They will happily spend hours telling you how great Australia is and how much better it is than the rest of the world, which explains why none of them actually live there. Or perhaps it's because they don't live there that makes it better. Certainly most of them do tend to improve things the moment they leave. As for the national team, I love Craig Johnston. He was one of my favourite players as a kid. Um, Tim Cahill was a good player, but none of the present players are at the same level in my opinion, which is probably why Tim Cahill's still going. I know people are going to be suggesting the Brighton pair of Moy and Ryan, but I'm not a fan of either. Ryan is a bit dodgy and Moy's just not quite good enough for the Premier League, though very good at Championship level. The other possibilities are Rojic and Arzani at Celtic, but Rojic always seems to be injured whenever I see them, and I've not seen Arzani play, though I know he's highly rated, and I've probably completely mispronounced his name, so apologies for that. Stoner from the Arsenal site is back again with this question. He said, I noticed in podcast one you likened yourself to, I'm sure, a movie star. The name slips my memory of who exactly. If, however, you were a superhero, what would you be called and what would your superpower be? Making donuts at the click of your fingers in the superpower, by the way. Personally, I do think it should be a cast as a superpower, but yeah, okay. So, it's understandable you're forgetful at your age, plus I'm so often confused for a movie star with my stunning good looks, it could really have been any one of them. But if I was a superhero, my superpower would be to reach through the internet to slap internet trolls through their screen and then melt the innards of their equipment so it can't be used again. I'm not sure what name to use though, so I'll leave that open to suggestions, though I'm aware I will probably regret that. Speaking of the older generation, next we're on to Ken from the Manchester United site who says, 
Hi Trish, hope you're keeping well mate, loving the podcast. I'd like your opinion on three rule changes I would like to see introduced. With the introduction of VAR, my biggest pet hate is goals being diagnosed for a couple of inches offside. I would like to see the rule change where there has to be obvious daylight between the last defender and attacker. So if any part of the attacker's body is onside, he is deemed onside. I think this would help Linos too. Right, I'll answer this part first before moving on to the second and third question. Right, I fully agree with you, especially as the degree of inaccuracy in the VAR calibration is more than a couple of inches anyway. The PGMOL has has stated that they will not be ruling offsides on such small margins in future, as they also agree it is not workable. So hopefully it will now improve that issue, And um, but until we see a few decisions on it, we'll not know whether it is now fixed or not though. So no point making another change yet, and just wait and see what happens. Right, the second part now. Secondly, the time should be taken away from the ref and be done independently with the clock on view for everybody. 90 seconds to take a goal kick is ridiculous and slow play ruins the game. It's a big issue in golf at the moment too. I can imagine it is a big issue in golf as it is such a tedious sport anyway. It must be even worse when it's slow. But anyway, the second rule is something I've been banging on about for years and years and apparently clubs have looked into it. Uh, Sorry, um, associations have looked into it. It's because it's always been a pet eight of mine. I mean, timekeeping should defo be done by a timekeeper and the clock should be stopped when the ball is out of play. I couldn't agree with you more on this one. In fact, I would go so far as to put a clock on stoppages so throw-ins, free kicks, goal kicks, etc. have a countdown on them. It will add pressure to the taker and make it more exciting for the fans as they see the clock ticking down and the keeper still hasn't taken the goal kick. And apparently the associations have looked into running a timekeeper, but they um, they worry about how long the, the games will take then. And that's been a problem with them, is they're worried about the fitness of the players, whether they can keep going for so long, the full 90 minutes, if they actually had to play the full 90 minutes instead of like 56 to 60 minutes as there is now. And now on to his third question, which is, Finally, I think like rugby, the game could go on around a physio who can do his stuff with a magic sponge while the game goes on like in rugby. No issue stopping for a serious injury. Sorry, he actually said no issue shipping for a severe injury, but I'm assuming he means stopping for a serious injury. Wave him on and get on with the game if players want to waste time and feign injury. Then it will cost their team who need to play on without them. I think it would cut out a lot of the acting 99 times out of 100. They get up and play on. Again, I agree with you to a, I agree with you to a degree, but I don't think you can keep play going on like in rugby, as the play can flit about the field, about the pitch much more quickly in football. Personally, I would just make them go off the pitch for treatment, except in cases of serious injury. You know, the game could then go on as you suggested, without the risk of players thundering into the physio trying to treat an injury. I would like to see an end to teams putting the ball out of place so a player can get treatment as well. If he's genuinely hurt, genuinely genuinely hurt, and I can say that, honest, then the ref can stop it. Right, now put my teeth back in. Ken's got one more thing to say. Just one afterthought. The tactical deliberate foul should be one fifteen minutes simbin. Horrible way of cheating, going on years, and it needs more severe punishment than a yellow. What do you think of these ideas? Cheers, mate. Have a good day. I fully agree with you on the tactical fouls as well. While I can see the merit in one of your teams stopping an attack from a defensive point of view, it should be seen as what it is, cheating, rather than being called clever pay by pundits. Clever would be finding a way to stop an attack which doesn't break the laws of the game. If you're unable to find a way within the rules, then you are not clever, you are cheating. They don't call drug cheats clever, diving isn't clever, nor is taking one for the team by holding down an attacker breaking through on goal. 
it ruins the game. We want to see goal action and shots, not shirt tugs and trips. The Simbin idea is best I've heard to deal with it because it has to be stopped. It is ruining the game. Though I'd still expect Fernandinho to avoid punishment as he has to commit at least five fouls before one is given and another five before even receiving a yellow and he would need to decapitate someone to get a red card and a decapitation would have to involve the use of a guillotine as jump jump kick and someone's head off would clearly be deemed accidental or possibly the decapitated player's fault for putting his head there in the first place. Stoner's back with another question. Morning mate, a two-part question. If you could pick a useless manager from the Premier League era, one, who would it be and why? And two, what team would you wish him in charge of and why? Well, I think I would go with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer because he is completely useless but smiles a lot and is a nice guy so people are afraid to admit he's utterly hopeless. And I would put him in charge of Man United because the fans would back him long after he was clearly failing because he used to play for them. Another Arsenal question is from Malaga Guna who says... Hi Ed, I don't know if this has been done. What's your prediction for the top four in the Premier League? It's nice to see you kept Dag's joke boot when he left then, Malaga. Funny one, mate, funny one. For those that are wondering, he knows I don't do predictions as I'm too superstitious. And then we're back to Stoner, who's got another question. And it's my next question is, real or artificial grass? And I'm talking about for my garden, with a name like Stoner, he obviously wouldn't be talking about anything else. Which would you recommend? I'm having a mare with real grass and is artificial as good as they say. What about cost? And I know Ed25 lays tarmac. Would he try his hand at laying artificial grass? And what does he charge? Where he can see him getting him to do it would be if he turned up in the speedos. There are a lot of kids in my neighbourhood. Well, first off, I can lay your mind to rest about the speedos. Ed25 only wears them for special occasions, weddings, bar mitzvahs, TV appearances, modelling work, etc., He has a special wardrobe for his work, modelled on his hero, Charlie Dimmock, with special sticky-out nipples and everything. Anyway, personally, I hate artificial turf. You can't even have a kickabout on it, as you are likely to hate yourself. Plus, it is crap for the environment. What you could do is get one of those old-fashioned push-along mowers and tell the missus what good exercise it is to mow the lawn and get her out there every other day mowing that lawn. She'll thank you for it. Well, me for it, because it was my idea. Uh, If not, get one of those petrol-powered rotary mowers and do it yourself often. And don't forget to fork it regularly. And yes, I did say fork with an O and an R between the FK. Triangle from the Liverpool site is next with... I'm going to change the question I originally posted slightly. How do you see Liverpool fair in the next few seasons of the Premier League as we have a fairly young and very good team? And secondly, how do you see the other major teams faring? Will United come back strong? It does look like a Man City versus Liverpool battle for the title in the next couple of seasons, so the rest are playing catch-up at the moment. Despite Pep's protestations of poverty and an inability to spend, City will continue to spend heavily to rebuild their team, while Liverpool's is young and growing together as a unit. Spurs are going backwards as, until this summer, they have invested in players that were worse than the players they were replacing. This summer they've finally looked to improve the quality of their signings, but they have a lot of unhappy players coming to the end of their contracts, so they look to be on the verge of falling apart. Arsenal have Emery, who will never win the league because he's just a Spanish Eddie Howe, spends heavily on the wrong players and could not organise a defence if his life depended on it. Man United have a cheerleader, cheerleader for a manager, and a CEO who thinks his job is purely about sealing needless commercial deals that a two-year-old could have done in his sleep. I'm going to get something right in a minute. Until they get the right people in key positions, they will always spend big and go nowhere fast. 
Um, Chelsea have the foundations in place, but they've been spending so much on all these loan players with the intention of making a profit to invest in the team that they've not been investing enough in the team. At least they're finally having to use some of those. That will benefit them in the long term and could put them back into contention if they get it right. The question is whether or not Wolves or Everton can break into the top six places now and they certainly have a chance. And finally, never forget Rob Jones off the Liverpool site asks, With regard to the timing in the beginning of the Premier League season in relation to the rest of Europe, if they started and finished later, there would be more rest for players and less gap between the end of the season and the Champions League final. The transfer deadline would also be closer to the timings of the European one. Are the clubs happy with the current situation and is there any thought to change it? This is something I really do not understand. Not the starting time, that makes little difference, but finishing so early. Then they complain that teams play too many games in too short a space of time. So why not just extend the season slightly? It would help everyone out as it would also give more gaps for rearranged games when there is weather problems or a team does well in the Cups. For some reason beyond my understanding, but probably to do with the incompetence of the people running the English game, that is not under consideration at all as far as I am aware. They have seen sense on the idiotic decision to close the transfer window early, though only because the rest of Europe didn't follow suit, not because they have figured out that a window for transfers does not actually help the game. So they are meeting to discuss changing that during this international break. Right, so there we have it. Let's ask the Ed number eight done. I'm sorry it took so long to get it out here, but we've been having maintenance work done on the building and I've not been able to get a time when I could actually hear myself think, let alone record anything. Sorry, hopefully it'll be a bit sooner next time to get the next one out.